Nikki Moffat. This is Two Fat Expats. I don't think I feel like doing that whole intro today. <laughs> so I'm not going to. <laughs> Hello, Kirsty Rice. How are you, Nikki Moffat? Where are you right now? Right now I'm in Copenhagen in my son's bedroom. We have a house guest and uh, I've commandeered the second <laughs> bedroom that my husband usually has his office in so I can record and very today. very nice bedding, I must say, that Zeke had there. I do like the, it's sort of like the khaki green with the navy blue and it's a stripe. So I could see people at my house would like that bedding as well. Okay, Nikki, <laughs> I'm in Doha. I, I've, we had to de- delay our recording by half an hour because I went to um, <laughs> turn on the laptop and there was an aqua aerobics class happening outside my window, which which was exciting for two reasons. It meant I instantly got an in-house disco and I got to see people where it was like, oh, those people must live in my apartment block. Oh, how do I get to aqua aerobics? <laughs> anyway, you'll be happy to know and probably unsurprised that in the last half an hour I have found the aqua aerobics class, spoken to the teacher and registered for next week. Perfect. So we'll have to move our recording time for yes. next week. So just note to self. <laughs> so, Nikki, we always kick off with a game of would you, could you? And I was fascinated to learn some things this week and thought I'm turning that into a would you, could you question. So, Nikki, what would you or could you do to minimise your chances of getting stopped at security for a pat-down at the airport? Well, that's a great question, Kirsty. And before this week, I wouldn't have known very much about these things Thank either. goodness, me neither. 45 years of living overseas yes. between us. So our listeners would know we have a Two Fat Expats Facebook group. Uh, we refer to each other as the Fatterati. And one of the Fatterati came in this week and said, um, I get pat down all the time and I I just want to know why. You know, why is this happening? And, I th- and you know, my instant thought was, oh, yeah. So do I, but didn't sort of think. And then people came with incredible answers that I had no idea about. Um, So it turns out that if you filled your car up with petrol, those those fumes and, you know, residue on your clothing can pick up, uh, sort of can be seen as explosive. Someone else said if you have uh, lipedema, which I imagine it would be the same as having lymphedema as well, which of course is a um, it's a medical condition where your lymph glands just don't work in the same way as others. So you can end up with sort of little fat pockets and that those pockets can come up as seen as dodgy on a screen. So yeah. on that, this has started happening to me recently and now you've said that it makes perfectly sense. So I have... Oh. we Last year I had an operation on my lymph node underneath my chin and now every time I go through one of those screening things, my neck yes. comes up on the scan. And, I mean, there was nothing put in there. And yep. so I, I, I can only now believe it's got to do with my lymph node yes. that was adjusted. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so sunscreen or body lotion that has, is it glycerin or ammonium nitrate? Yeah, what, so yep. someone said they use a body lotion called Eucerin. The minute that person said that, everybody came out of the out of the going. Oh my gosh, that's me. That's me. Okay, so high blood pressure meds. Then that means if you've picked up your high blood pressure med pill in your hand, and maybe you've taken a little while, you've 
taken it out of the packet, you've walked to the kitchen, you've got your glass of water, then you've gone over somewhere else and it's been in your hand for a while before you then pop it in your mouth, that can make things happen. This was the one I'd never heard of. If you look at your boarding pass and you check the bottom right-hand corner of your boarding house and you see the letters SSSS, which stands for Secondary Security Screening Selection, you need to go back and speak to immigration and ask, why? Why am I getting secondary security screening selection? Because that's what that means. It means that you've been flagged. Uh, magnesium lotion, which a lot of people who get cramps um, would use uh, if you use mm-hmm. baby wipes. Evidently, if you wipe those baby wipes down on your travel stuff, it's going to set off something. If you have an underwire bra, which, yes, I think most of us have been victim of that one. Garden fertilizers, so don't do a quick lot of weeding before you run off to the airport. Someone else said that they'd been at a lab class at uni in the morning and driven straight to the airport from a lab class and they were told that that's what it was. It was the residual stuff from their lab pass. Vaseline or Vicks. And then there was a suggestion that someone said you need to get global entry, which is global entry is sort of a US customs and border protection. I think it's called CB. CBP and it's a program that allows you to get expediated clearance for pre-approval so you you become a low-risk traveler and then you can get in faster and I thought I was I wasn't going to mention it because I thought well that's solely just a US thing and for people traveling into the US but then when I did a little bit more research I realized that no that also can happen with Australians customs and border security um you can use your smart gate and smart gate can be available to global um entry members as well so it's not just going to be okay all you Aussies go over to the left to the smart gate it'll be Aussies and anyone else who's you know got that got that teed up as well and I think citizens of the United Kingdom are also eligible for global entry so whichever country you're from it is well worth going and having a look if you can get some sort of pass or smart pass that is going to get you in uh, faster or maybe stop those additional security checks. Okay, so that's two different things, right? So when it came up with the cream, they they came up on the scan of the, when they test for explosives. So if you have global entry, that's not going to stop you if you're chosen for a scan and then you have explosive based things so this is two ways to look at reducing and helping you get through the beautiful process Mm. of protection (laughs) for protect the beautiful and necessary process for protection of um companies countries security issues yes and i think you know it was interesting within that chat there was sort of a sub chat about your children being patted down and people yeah. being quite offended by their children being patted down. And I think there were a lot of people that pointed out, yes, but sometimes people do terrible things and they put things in their children's teddy bears or in their children's jackets because they know that their children won't be stopped. So that's something, if you are a global traveller, I would suggest that's probably something you need to tell your kids that might happen so that everybody feels calm and cool about the situation because obviously if you're a parent that has that vibe about them that they're cross and they're frustrated all you're doing 
is pushing that vibe onto your child because they will say, hang on, why is mum so freaked out by this or why is dad so freaked out by this? So I reckon it's a good conversation to have before you've even got to the airport of this is possibly going to happen and it's a good thing that this is happening and this is why. They're just checking that we're not going to hop onto the plane without, you know, with anything that we shouldn't have on the plane that's going to hold us up or whatever. And that those people are just merely doing their jobs. <laughs> they probably don't want to do it either. Right. And that and that's 100% true. They're just doing their jobs and, and they have a lot of people they deal with who are unhappy oh, yeah. with, with what they're yeah. doing. So I can't imagine being one of those people. The other thing that came up was that toddlers or small children or any children will be patted down by someone of the same gender. Mm. It could be that, you know, as mothers traveling with small children, often you, you know, you use a bathroom, a ladies' mm. bathroom. You know, you all just go in together, whatever. That won't be the case. In this case, you, your child, if your child is selected to be, have a special screening, then someone else might do it that does yours because you'll be patted down by a female person and they'll and if you have a boy traveling with you they will be patted down by a male they won't be patted down by a female and that's to do with the rules in countries like the the people aren't just deciding who's going to do it when you get through there's a lot of processes and procedures that are yes. in place for that yes. reason yes. and in the most part in countries that will be based on being the same gender as the person who's patting yes. you down yes that's right Okay, Nikki, what's your would you, could you for the week? Well, Kirsty, we've just imparted a lot of very important information. <laughs> and I think that's important. Then we have a little bit of levity as well. So my question was, would you, could you break up with a friend over your experiences in boarding school opinions? Mm. Now, this is interesting because for those who don't know the backstory, yes, I have, I've had four children go through boarding school um, all while we were living in Qatar. Um, they've all gone to boarding school in Australia and I have written extensively about the pain that it caused me, um, also the awfulness of what people can say and do and how if you have people that are from a very different world than yours and they just don't understand, they can often say things that are really hurtful. So back to your question though of would you, could you break up with a friend? I didn't ever break up with a friend. I did I did have things that maybe hurt so much that it stopped me uh, discussing things with friends. I had uh, a new friend that I can remember actually said out loud in front of a whole group of people, oh, my God, I could never do that. Like when she met me, someone said, this is Kirsty, blah, blah, blah. She had a daughter there. I said, I have a daughter the same age. She said, oh, that's great. You know, we'll have to get them together. And I said, oh, well, you know, my daughter's just gone to boarding school. Oh, my God, I can't really. God, I could never do that. Oh, that's terrible. How do you feel about that? Like it, that was her instant, hi, nice to meet you. <laughs> I've never really yeah. thought about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just did it on a whim, yeah. put her on a plane. So that was my, okay, I'm putting you in an arm's distance immediately. Nikki, we are both children that went to boarding school. You absolutely mm. loved every second of it. And for you, it was just a gift. I think I had my ups and downs, but I definitely look back on it. I, I remember being really upset thinking, because I didn't know I would end up being an expat, but I thought I'd always live in the city. So I thought, well... It's so sad that my kids are going to miss out on that opportunity. Now, as it's turned out, they've all had the opportunity because we ended up being expats. <laughs> so would I break up over a friend? Well, 
tell me, Nikki, what have people said to you? And maybe that will help listeners understand how you could break up with a friend. Well, I think this is my first official announcement on the podcast that my daughter will, in fact, be going to boarding school in Australia and she will start in October. So, uh, yeah, I'm brand new at this. So obviously I've always talked with you about it and we've talked on the podcast and we've talked in the group about how it happens. But it's one of those things that then it happens to you and then you're like, oh, yeah, this is what people say and what they do. (laughs) So, you know, people have said things like, I could never do that or that's a long way. Did you think about the UK? That's a lot closer. Is that something she wants to do? How often will you see her? And uh, does does this mean you're moving back? When are you going? So, you know, like all these things were, of course, you know, to make a decision to for any educational decision for your child, it's a lot of a lot of thought process, a lot of discussions, a lot of evaluations, a lot of situations happening. And um, it's not something you enter into lightly. And, you know, we uh, you were across this when we were in Australia, we were having this conversation. In fact, when we had COVID, we were all together having (laughs) boarding school discussion and it it just uh you know it's it's very there's a lot of emotion involved there's a lot of discussion there's a lot of you know looking at the next three to five years all this kind of stuff you know my son never went to boarding school he 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 would never have wanted to it it was never an option for him and with my daughter we talked about it pre-covid and then during covid i said absolutely not no way never gonna happen (laughs) didn't realize they could shut a country like that and then, of course, how quickly I've forgotten they shut the country down. <laughs> and also, you know, the other thing is, is that we're breaking up her school year. So, uh, you know, a lot of people start at the beginning of a school year. She will be starting in term four of the Australian school year and she'll have to do a full set of exams and all sorts of things. So, uh, you know, there was a lot of discussion about that. Would it be easier how how that worked? You know, all sorts of things. There are all sorts of combinations of, of information and discussion so yeah we've thought about we've thought about it a lot yes it's something she wants to do how often will I see her I I don't know is the answer (laughs) um and is a long way yes it's absolutely a long way and where do we want to move to yet next absolutely we want to move closer however closer that is you know that that's not but the, the point is to give her a springboard into whatever she wants to do next which is probably tertiary education that's probably going to be in Australia so yeah. actually it absolutely is in Australia that's the deal in our family if you do tertiary education it's in Australia so to get her in that mindset and to 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 offer her the support and then for her to have as she says I don't have any childhood friends I said you do they just all live in other countries I think you should I think you should um elaborate Nikki in that I think one thing we've kind of missed in this is that there was a big event that happened in that obviously when you went home for the when you went home for the summer and one of the things was you know going to look at schools and whatever but it was a you know you were in the mindset of it probably won't happen because I think she'll get there and she wants she want to go and she won't want to do it yeah and then um before you even got to that stage she came to you and said you know the whole you've ruined my life you know as in I don't have those yep. childhood friends. I think I think it's important that you and I are really honest about because I think I think a lot of listeners who might have small children, I think one of the things we did when we had small children as expats, you do wonder how does this pan out? What does this look like? What's the long game? Am I stuffing up my children? Am I, you know, 
robbing them. We've had someone this week write uh, in the podcast, should I be taking my children home? Am I doing the wrong thing, keeping them from family? These are the things that we think about as expats constantly, you know, Every, Every day. day. What am I doing to them? And so uh, you and I, I think, Nikki, always looked like we were going down two very separate paths in that I had yep. lock on from a really early age of I want my children to go to boarding school because I want them to do tertiary education in Australia and I want them to have Australian friends before they get to university because – in the city that I'm from, it's a very, very small city and everybody knows everybody. Mm. I had a conversation with a woman this week who had lived in my city who said exactly that, you know, oh gosh, that's a tough city to break into. And yes, people do talk about where they went to school and has still have friends from school and whatever. So for me, it was, I really believe my kids need to go to boarding school to make those friendships to have an easy transition into university. And I think for you, Nikki, you... You were, and jump in any time if you think I've got it wrong, but I think from our conversations you were very much of, yep, maybe they will, Zeke definitely no, um, but maybe Willow will go, yes, I've put her name down at a few places, but it's not a definite, definite, but her name's down and whatever. Then, like as you said, COVID happened, no, this doesn't work anymore because we can't get back and forward. Um, and then you find yourself on a holiday in Australia and you have a daughter that does the classic expat child thing who walks out one day and says, you've ruined my life. I don't have any childhood friends in Australia. I want to go to school here. You know, I want this life and this normality. So I think I just wanted to throw that in there because I think it's really important to, you know, that people see how these things roll out so that they know well, what would they say in that situation? What would they do? Would they change their mind? You know, would would they do anything to accommodate? Like what went through your mind for you? Was it an instant, okay, you need to stay here or no, I think I can work work this around that we'll go back to Denmark? Yeah, so the, you're right. There were some of those conversations that went on and they were around, you know, we're going to visit schools you know, this is what we're going to do. We're going to see, We're, you know, we're going to meet a family who were friends of ours from Hong Kong. They have children at this school. The school we've chosen is a school that a lot of returning Australians in the last two years have put their kids in and that there are some other um, international students boarding there. In fact, we're starting in term four and one of the other, um, there's going to be another grade 10 students starting in term four from Dubai. So Perfect. if anyone knows them, <laughs> let's get in touch. Uh, so that, so... That was a big part of my consideration because, you know, school in Australia, particularly boarding school, particularly single-sex schools, is a totally different experience from what my children have yes. ever had. And so it's it's very difficult to, for me to consider, like, uh, while I did enjoy it, it was my only experience at the time. So I had no, no comparison, no base, anything. I was happy to do it. But I think that my, particularly my daughter is a little bit different from that point of view. So... She went through this very big emotional roller coaster, which I think, you know, 15, 16 year olds can do. They go through, am I doing the right thing? Do I want to do this? I'm a little bit scared, uh, but I'm excited about the opportunities. I've always said, you know, I don't want to move around a lot anymore, which she has said to us from, from a long, from a long time ago. And, you know, it was very hard for her to leave Germany, particularly. We had the COVID thing and so she, you know, wanted to stay in Germany when we moved to Denmark. She loves the school in Denmark. She really loves it. 
but but I think it's a it's an indication of her that she can see that even though she loves the school here there's there's no guarantee that we can stay here till she finishes yeah. school so that's a little bit of it that's more difficult and so for us all together sitting down and having the conversation if you want a guaranteed place that you know that you will finish school here it is we can offer that to you and it's in Australia and you know every time we went home for the first time since COVID there was a lot of you know we no one had been you know we hadn't been home for a long time our family had not seen us for a long time I felt there was a lot of pressure of okay well you know this has got to be it now, right? Like you've, you've moved one child here. It's been COVID. We don't know what can happen in the future. So now it's time yes. to come home. You know, there's, a little, there's a lot of that sort of underlying yep. sort of yep. things going on. And I felt that a lot. And I was discussing with my husband yesterday. I said, did you feel that while we were there? And he said, no. I was like, okay. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe I'm just making this up in my head. But I sort of no, did feel that in conversations I was having. I know having. what you mean because I, I get that vibe too of, you know, because we've we've bought a house there, we have children there, we have cars there, we have yeah. a life there, right? And so I always see this look of confusion on people's faces if if I happen to drop in of uh, where we might move next or how good how yeah. good would it be to go back and do another stint in Asia? And I can see this flicker in people's eyes of, what like you're not going anywhere else surely you're just coming home um yeah and yeah. is that I'm sure Nikki too that's got something to do with our age as well and that people yes. make this yeah. assumption you know well you've had enough now like you've had you've had a good time <laughs> I know exactly what I mean. look yes. at that yes yeah so that's kind of what I felt. So I, we, yeah, we did go through. And, you know, to be perfectly honest, as you say, we read books, we read studies. There's a lot of studies about, you know, there's a recent one that's come out about third culture kids or, you know, kids who grow up in different cultures and, and what their long term, you know, how that affects that, them in the long term and how they feel about that. And, of course, like everything, some are perfectly well adjusted and some struggle with, you know, feelings of belonging, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, you've got to evaluate your own child and your mm-hmm. own situation and deal with that. And that's what we did. So we had a very emotional time when we were in Australia <laughs> and it didn't look like there was going to be a spot. So I was trying to talk a little, lots of mm-hmm. backwards and forwards. And then we arrived at school for the tour and they said, well, just today a spot's come up from term four. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've gone through this very big roller coaster of things, and and you know it wasn't easy, and it's not a straightforward decision. And I've had some very honest conversations with her as well, saying you know because this will mean she's skipping half a year rather than doing an extra half a year. So people said, oh, well, you won't go back now. You know, you'll just stay and put her in here. I said, I'm not putting her in for one term of education in grade yeah. ten. You know, like she needs to go back and and start start school. And she said, but what if I get back there and I don't want to come to Australia? I said, it will happen. There will be days when you'll feel like that. There'll be days, perfect days when you're with your friends doing something that you might that you might think you might not be able to do in Australia with people you know and feel comfortable with and, and you'll come and yell at me and scream and we'll have an argument and we might, might both cry. I said, but we have to remember that we had this conversation mm-hmm. here and now and we, we all agreed that this is what you want to do and this is the best thing. Obviously, if it's a total disaster, we'll reconsider it. But for now, we're committed to getting on a plane on September the 22nd and flying mm-hmm. to Australia and starting school a week later and that's yeah. where we're at. 
So as long as we can we can ride the waves in between now and then, then I think, you know, we'll be fine. And, you know, it's really hard. She's come back and, you know, she loves volleyball. It's her sport. So she started training with the volleyball team. Their first game away is on the 22nd of September, which is the day we get on the plane. So, you know, there's tryouts this week and I really hope she keeps going after tryouts are over because, you know, obviously she's not being considered for the team because she won't be here. So there are are a lot of things that are very hard and very emotional. There is a lot going on in yeah. our house right yeah. now. There's a lot of emotions and, you know, it's 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 really tough for her. And I, I don't discount at all how tough it is for her because I remember being 15 and remember questioning everything oh, I ever thought about totally. anything and in the world. And that's where you have and to be so tough as a parent, right, to stick to your guns. You know, I, we have a mix of people in the two fat expats group where we have a lot of TCKs, third culture kids. So we have a lot of young yep. people now that are in the uh, expat group who... Oh, it's like we're hip and groovy. <laughs> but these are people that have very different attitudes to maybe what expat parents are making decisions. So you'll quite often see that there'll be yep. expat parents talking about moving and doing this and doing this and kids' issues or whatever. And in will fly a, a third culture kid who will say, have you asked your child how they feel about that? <laughs> Do you know, like because they, <laughs> they're they coming at it from their own angle and maybe they lived a life where they didn't get, yep. um, uh, as one person put it this week, they didn't get agency uh, on that decision, right? Now, yes. as a mother of young adults, you know, I can I can very clearly recall many times when my children told me there was one particular way that they wanted things to roll out. Um, I had a child who came home, you know, after the second term, first term, I think it was, and said, I don't want to go back and burst into tears and please don't make me go back and I want to be here and I want to stay with you. It was the most hideous experience of being there hugging this child thinking I don't want you to go back either I want you to stay here I want you to stay in your room right here with me let's yep let's just chuck it in I totally agree but your parent side is saying no because you are doing her no favors by doing this because this is what it's all about it's all about her going and making new friends now this same child now has a group of friends who are all her boarding school friends who they are absolutely inseparable and do everything together and have had incredible experiences together. Um, and, you know, any time I pick them up or drop them off or are lucky enough to be invited into anything that they do, I just look at them with wonder going, wow, you, you could have not had this had I just said, no, you're unhappy Let's give up on this exercise, do you know? <laughs> so it's really yeah. hard. So I think that there is, yeah, agency is important, but also, you know, so is yes. parenting. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not dismissing anyone because you can't tell how something's going to work out necessarily. You can make the best decision mm. based on the information available. And sometimes people have to make decisions ba- based on other things that, yeah. that they don't want to, but they don't oh, have yeah. control over. So, you know, hats off to people that don't have, you know, options yeah. for education for their, for their children or for moving countries 
Often oh, yeah. people also don't have options involved oh, yeah. there. You know, so, I, you know, there's only so much you can say to your children and involve them as much as possible, but sometimes yeah. it's out of everyone's yeah. control. And, you know, it's all to your nationality and culture. I know for a fact if I was yep. American, I would never, and I was li- an American living in Qatar, my kids would have stayed here and gone to school all the way through here and then they would have gone off to college because that's what in, in America, America – <laughs> Everybody does. Okay. So that was a good one. Kirsty, what are your favourite things? Okay. Nikki, have you listened to Fed Up? I have not listened to Fed Up. I saw this in the notes and I was like, oh, I need to get onto that. I absolutely loved it. Like I devoured it as a podcast. So I guess the story is about Emily Gillis, who was a um, a I think she was a fashion blogger. And the reason I only think is I just know that really this is a story about influencers on Instagram right. and cancel culture and, you know, all of those fabulous underground things that happen within um, the social media world. So Emily is on Instagram. She stumbles across and follows a woman called Tanya Zuckerbrot who has something called the F factor, which is a diet that's a fiber-based diet. So she has created the F factor and she sells F factor products and she has, you know, hundreds of thousands of Instagram followers that follow her. And Emily has her own, you know, rather large following as well of um, fashion blogging and being a fashion influencer. And they actually meet one day in a um, cafe and that's kind of sort of how they connect and whatever. Their stories of how they met and what they both thought of each other at the time differ in the podcast when you hear both of them being interviewed. But then Emily realises that she sees through this obsessive following, I don't think it's unfair for me to call it obsessive, but she realises that there's quite a few people that are talking about that they're feeling quite ill from doing the F-factor diet. It's basically they eat just fibre, 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 (laughs) fibre. And everything, you just keep putting more fibre in. So you can imagine the results of eating all that fibre, right? Um, So Emily sort of is, is following all these people that don't. And then Emily kind of starts this crusade on social media of, Come with, come and tell me all about your terrible experiences with the F factor diet, you know. And then she starts sharing screenshots of all of these things. Anyway, it's just this great story about the scenes behind that and the rise and fall of Tanya Zuckerbrot and the F factor. And then there's all these stories in behind it of things of other influences and stories you don't know about. And it's just so deliciously gossipy with just the right amount of snark and it's all down to the host I think which is a woman called Casey Wilson who is the host of another podcast called Bitch Fest so you don't I mean I didn't ever think oh I feel dirty listening to this this is just nasty because it wasn't it was you could tell that it was it was just a story well told um but her voice is fabulous and she just keeps you on the hook and yes one of those ones I just went right I'm rolling all of the episodes all at once I can't get enough of it because I want to know how this ends so I would definitely recommend fed up uh so that's my podcast my movie for this week is a movie called licorice pizza now I watched it on the plane 
Interestingly, it was on the plane on my way back last time and I gave it a skip and then on the way over I thought, oh, still here. Okay, I'll give it a try. Um, It's such an unusual movie. So it's written by Paul Thomas Anderson, who I believe people refer to as PTA when I started to do my little dive into things. (laughs) So the stars of the show are Cooper Hoffman, and Alana Haim, who is Alana Haim from the band Haim, um, uh, if you if you are a follower of Haim. Uh, and Cooper Hoffman is the son of the late F- Philip Seymour Hoffman. Right. And you, you look at him throughout the movie, if you're unaware of this, you're watching him in the movie going, who does this guy remind me of? And then you go and read and you go, ah! Yes, he is. He's Philip Seymour Hoffman's son. And where uh, the old Paul Thomas Anderson or PTA fits into this is his first four films starred Philip Seymour Hoffman. So he has now obviously moved on to his son. The name Licorice Pizza was the name of a chain of record shops in California back in the 70s. And this movie is set in the 70s. And it's one of those movies where these very well-known actors just pop up with cameos. So people like Sean Penn and Bradley Cooper have fabulous, fabulous characters in it and sort of arrive and everyone's just a little bit, a little bit alternative, I guess you'd say, like a little bit out there. Um, You can read the whole plot of the movie and go, yep, that's about it. There's no surprises. There's no whatever. But I guess it's what's luring you in is that 70s vibe, you know, of the fashion. And um, so the the character who is played by Cooper Hoffman, he is a child actor who meets Alana Haim, who is older than him, and she's there taking the school photos. And then this relationship ensures, and she goes with him. Yes, so it's not, it's a purely platonic, starts as a purely platonic relationship, obviously, because she's a bit older, but he's really smitten with her and he gets her to go as his um you know what do you have when you're a child actor you've got to have someone that co- goes with you and they're your like your guardian so she yeah. she's like his guardian for the first little while and then it's just a little story that evolves from there uh it's weird my favorite scene is a scene where she has to back a truck up that has no petrol in it and take it down the hills of Hollywood or California and you just you spend the whole scene just going <gasps> watching this truck reverse with no petrol like just rolling down this hill um so yeah no look it's it, it it's well worth the watch and then finally my last story was I saw Australian story which you and I talk about often Nikki because yep. it's just stories told so well um but uh, I noticed they sort of reminded people, I guess, of their back catalogue just recently and they were doing a thing on Australian actors. And one of my favourite, favourite actors is a guy called Joel Edgerton. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I probably fell in love with him back in The Secret Lives of Us, you know, which mm-hmm. was a show yeah. set in Melbourne, you know, back in the day. And um, Joel Edgerton's gone on to do incredible things and I always knew that he had a brother Nash and I knew that his brother Nash kind of was also in the movie industry and sort of behind the scenes 
But that was kind of really about it that I knew because you often see them at things together. Um, but this will tell you if you go back and you go through the back catalogue, I think it's 2020 that this is from, and you look for him, it will tell you the story of him growing up with Nash. And, you know, they really were two kids, um, you know, out of Sydney um, who they had, they had, you know, middle-class family, lived on the back of the National Park um, and their dad had a film camera um, and so they would spend their times because they were too far out of town to really, you know, have that much to do. They started making their own movies. Uh, Nash got into engineering uh, at university, spent um, sort of a a year doing that thinking, I really have no idea why I'm doing this. I think I want to be a stuntman. And it's a really beautiful story of two brothers. Um, while the emphasis is on Joel, you sort of see that Joel wouldn't have done anything had he not been Nash Edgerton's little brother. And he describes it in a really lovely way of, I feel like Nash was going through the jungle with a machete and I was just the guy behind him with a backpack going, <laughs> okay, and just, you know, following him. And it, so it's really quite beautiful and it's, um, you know, really interesting. There's also, you know, there's highs and lows there. And uh, the thing I really loved was he didn't tell you exactly what, I'm guess, guessing it was a drug addiction, of exactly what went down or how it went down. And his parents don't really tell you exactly what went down or how it went uh. down, but you, you know enough to know that something went down and everybody stopped everything they were doing to get him back up. And, yeah, it's just, um, oh, oh. Claudia Kavan is one of the people that they talk to in amongst it, and I think I absolutely adore her as well. Um, so I really enjoyed it. So if you missed it the first time around, I would suggest going back and having a look at it. Now, what about you, Nikki? What are your three favourite things? Okay, so I sent you a message, I think, last week or this week or something. I said, you've got to watch this. It's on Apple TV Plus, Bad Sisters. Yes, I'm, I'm in it. I'm in it. And it is so good. Are you enjoying it? Absolutely loving it because I love her from Catastrophe. Yeah, right? so the, it's got wonderful. yeah, it's a it's about a, a family of Irish sisters, five. I think there's five sisters, four or five. Mm-hmm. No, I think there's five. The actress from Catastrophe is in it, and she is brilliant. And it's a story of. I think it's fair to say the premise of the story is that uh, one of them has a husband who dies, and can't be said yet whether the women were involved or not in his death because it's and he's awful he's He's awful awful. and horrible really horrible you don't feel any sympathy at all when you find out that he died Uh, do it now do it now (laughs) yeah and some insurance agents who desperately need it to be a murder or some sort of thing and they don't want to pay out the insurance and so it's a story of how going through the process of of that and puts all together and it's a comedy just so you know it's not dramatic it's it's definitely a comedy so it is amazing it's just very funny quite clever so far because every time you think oh that's going to be it no it's not so yeah i think there's only sort of three or four episodes so far so really really good and worthwhile and it drops is it every friday or every monday it's one of those ones that you can't binge yes. it you've got to yeah so yes. either whole if, if you're listening to this in the future and you haven't seen it yet fantastic you can probably see all the episodes yes meanwhile you and i are just <laughs> hanging on the edge that's yes right. Week to week. The other one, my second one is The Old Man. 
and it's it's about a it's about a, a former CIA officer who's living off the grid who finds himself on the run from people who want to kill him, which sounds you know like sort of old school Tom Clancy ish stuff, but it's got. Uh, Jeff Bridges is the CIA guy. John Lithgow is also in the CIA. And oh. so it's got all the, it's, it's sort of got these very, the other one of the main characters is called Alia, Alia Shakwat. And she plays uh, someone called Angela Adams. And it's just, it's just really, oh, and the other person who's in it is Amy Brenneman. Um, so there's just all these people who you're like, oh, putting these people all together in this sort of drama is amazing. Now, I watched it on Disney Plus in Australia. It's not on Disney Plus in Denmark. So I don't know. You'll have to sort of have a look to where to find it. But it's just, it's good to watch with your partner or, you know, you can watch it by yourself or it could be a family thing. Like it's not too much of anything. It's just, it's just, it's like an old fashioned good series that you want to sit down and watch. And my third thing I would say is Danish dipping. So we've decided to become <laughs> Danish dippers in August, which of course is summer, so that makes sound so hilarious. But the the art of the Danish dip is you meant to go sort of every day or every couple of days and dip yourself in the ocean and uh as it gets colder obviously those dips go shorter and smaller but it's it's part of this whole danish culture where you know no matter the time of day or whatever there's a group of people who just end up by the ocean somewhere and uh a lot of people take all their clothes off and a girlfriend when i commented on my instagram i I wrote a post saying we're going to start dipping and here's what we hope to do we hope to do it through all the winter etc and my girlfriend and I said, you know, but we might not do it entirely Danishly, which is basically you just take all your clothes off, get in the water, swim around a bit, get out, put your clothes back on, no matter where you are. And yeah. uh, she said, well, I've actually found in winter we don't go full Danish. She's Danish but recently returned. She said we go half Danish because the colder you get, the actually worse it is to wear more clothes in the water because as soon as you come out of the water – it, it's a yes. huge issue. So if you go in naked and come out naked, you can warm up more quickly because you've got nothing yes. clinging yes. to you that's colder. So yes. anyway, I now also belong to a WhatsApp group with some um, parents from school called the CIS, his name is school, CIS Dippers. So we've, <laughs> so every day they meet up and so who is ever available, it's no pressure, but who's ever available will go and, and do the dip for the day. So, yeah, so I'm starting and out are, with a good... And are some nude and some clothed or are they all clothed? Uh, I think, no, they're all clothed people yeah so it's interesting isn't it because we had we had someone in the two fat expats group this week um asking really genuinely saying yeah i'm struggling um and they were in germany I yes think, germany and, also loved to strip off naked yeah yes and they were going to the lake and they they felt bad about themselves that they weren't getting nude because they felt that they weren't culturally fitting in you know that they weren't attempting to do it and it was it was created a really interesting discussion because she was sort of saying look I I wish I could do this but I just I just don't feel it's in me to do it and people were saying you know what's your you know there were some people saying what's your problem you know yes you've got nothing to be ashamed of you know blah 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 and um then I think you know what she was trying to get across was Yes, I I know all of that, but I just I just don't 
feel it within my culture. It's this yep. beyond me to do it. And I want to be part of their culture and I really want to do this. I want to, you know, I feel like I'm letting the team down by not doing this because I'm not, you know, really completely immersing myself in it. And I thought, isn't that interesting because we we sort of, you know, like I always beat myself up that I can't speak Arabic and yep. I wish I could speak Arabic and I every couple of years I attempt to speak Arabic and then I find it all too hard and I give up speaking Arabic and then I feel like a complete failure because the minute I say I live in Qatar, someone will say, oh, so do you speak Arabic? And I will usually lead off with, oh, well, in Indonesia, I learned Indonesian <laughs> and in because <laughs> I just don't want to say no, I'm a failure. And it's funny, isn't it, because we, I think there is this, you're trying so hard to be authentic and you feel yeah, like you've I mean, lost you don't it. want yeah. to. Yeah, you don't want to sit outside the society that you're living in. Like that, the whole yeah. idea of living somewhere is to, in the most part, to be part of that culture and to experience the culture as they experience it. Yeah. So you know, so I I agree with that, and I also think. So the funniest thing to me about Germans is they go in the water at the beach and they come out and they take off their swimmers, their wet swimmers, and put dry swimmers on. To sit on the beach, I just oh. died. it's a thing. So, so it, whenever you're sort of in Mallorca, where you can be guaranteed most people there are German, but you see someone doing, you go, "Oh, they're the Germans," because it's it's a, it's this weird thing. And so um, why don't they just dry off in the sun? Is I it because there's not enough sun to dry off. Hard to say. And, and then if they go back in the water, do they put the wet swimmers back on? Well, this get- is I've never really hung around watching someone that long. So I always feel like when you're watching people change on the beach, you sort of can't. Really? Like you can't look at yes. them straight on and go, I'm just watching yeah. you change. I've got no interest in this whole process. But uh, uh, my daughter's best friend uh, from Germany is German and we, we took her on a beach holiday and I said to her, are you bringing another pair of swimmers to the beach to change into me? And she said, no. I said, but did you do that? She goes, yeah. I don't get that. I don't know why we used to do that. When I was little, my mum used to bring extra swimmers and when we'd get out of the water, we'd change. I'd be like, Okay. So fascinating. I know. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, you culturally want to involve yourself and so this is part of it for us, you know, I mean, a little bit. Uh, And with the speaking Danish, yeah, no, I can still speak German and I I did a phone call the other day to just reinforce to myself that I've still got it. But I don't think I'm ever going to be able to speak Danish no matter how long I would live here. So, yeah, there are things that, that are just become too much. So, yeah, no, I totally agree. But anyway, so Danish dipping. So I said we're very brave. We're starting in August, which is, of course, the warmest month of the year and the water is the warmest it is all year. But I tell you, I still feel I still don't spend long in the water because it feels pretty freaking cold to me. Oh, yeah. I think it's for a woman who couldn't swim in South Australia. You're definitely in a struggle in Denmark. <laughs> it's, wow. it's pretty similar temperatures in summer. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Nikki, I will speak to you next week. Kirsty, next week we are it is episode 200. Wow. So I just want to say that we've been we've been having a slow build up over the summer because we've had a little bit of extra time between our episodes. But next week, our next episode will be our two hundredth episode, 
And we've had some lovely messages from people about, you know, when they started listening and what they were doing in February 2015, which is when the first episode of Two Fat Expats was. So if you would like to send us a message about what you were doing in 2015 and how your life or your expat life is different between now and then, please do so. Uh, We would love to hear them. All right. I will speak to you uh, next week for number 200. 200. See you then. Bye. Bye.